And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms of apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the fifth instalment of Red Side of the Trent. I'm your host, Christian Brown. And as always, I'm joined by Adam Wicklow, Lee Clark and Reece Lane. What a difference a week makes in the world of football and the world of Nottingham Forest. As fortunes have been transformed completely for the club. Last week, the Steve Cooper regime officially kicked off with a one-all draw at home to Millwall. The managers don't lose their first games. And then it got from strength to strength as Forrest then defeated Barnsley 3-1 and then beat Birmingham City yesterday three goals to nil. So Forrest have scored seven goals in the last three fixes, which is unbelievable. I think we'll start with the um, the Birmingham game. That's uh, most fresh, if you like. Adam, Three goals, clean sheet, three points. What's going on? Like this, this isn't this isn't what we've been used to for the last for the last part of a year or so. What's, what's happened? It's uh, too much positivity, Christian. As I uh, put on <laughs> our Twitter page for for the red side of the trend. Uh, if anyone's following, thank you very much. Um, it's just nice thing to see, really, isn't it? Like we're going forward. Um, and I think Steve. Yeah, I mean, Steve Steve Cooper um, even irritated that um, it's good that we've got centre-backs that are quite happy to step forward because seven players attacking is not enough. <laughs> um, this is just music to my ears. I wrote something on my personal Twitter saying that this is all I've ever wanted. Uh, no mercy, attacking, cutthroat football, because uh, we was even going for about 3-0 up. Mm. Um, and Forest fans and any football fan can go home maybe a little bit disappointed if results don't always go your way, but if you're going to play football like that, it's at least it's not a down in the dumps. At least if you've had a go, you, you can't really, can't really grumble too much. Um, yeah, this is exactly it, isn't it? I mean, like, like as we've said in the show before, there, there are ways of losing games. Like if you can see a clear process and a clear plan, you know, you, and you come away thinking, oh yeah, right. We got unlucky today, but we keep playing that way. We'll win more than we lose. And it's just so refreshing, isn't it, to sort of see this, like, Forrest actually playing football, like, because, and actually trying to win games, like you said, and trying to be attacking, it's just, it's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, you could say the result kind of flattered us a little bit because Birmingham did hit the post, they mm. hit the bar, Samba made some really good saves. So I don't think if you're a bit from a Birmingham perspective, they should be too downhearted on getting beat free in hell because actually they they come forward just as much as we did. So it's just one of them. We just kind of stuck them away. I mean, if Lewis Graben's scoring from 20 yards, 25 yards, how there's some in the in the waters, isn't there? <laughs> it's crazy. Actually, we've got a few um comments actually from you guys uh 
from that Twitter post, Adam sort of inferred, so a nice little segue there. Um, was it Ian Allsop says, a bit of pace in your team makes so much difference. Spence and Lowe, huge upgrades. Man of that's Johnson. They couldn't handle his sheer pace. JP uh, says, I'd like to thank the woodwork also. It's something touched on what you said, that we did have a few close shaves. And Simon Phoenix, an attacking threat at last. So Colback immense. McKenna Rock, Samba Reliable, everyone on fire. It's it's it's, it's bizarre. This whole like everyone's like I said, everyone's really positive again. It's just like, you know, I guess it was so nice as well to see all the fans in the game go, we've got our forest back towards the end. I mean, like things like this just go a long way. Another part of the asset from from the Birmingham game was, you know, as you said, Lewis Grabman scoring from 20 yards out. And you know, it was a Lee, that was an absolutely brilliant goal, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was uh it wasn't one from the, the Lewis Grabbin scrapbook, as we say, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a good goal. Um, it was, I think it was a sign of a player in banging confident form, to be honest. Um, typically, you know, centre forwards, they'll you'll notice how confident they are with with what sort of you know what they're doing on the pitch. And it, I mean, when have we ever seen Lewis Grabbin, you know, take aim from from that distance? Um, so yeah, it looks like uh, to say he's. Um, well, we've discussed it before on this pod, but uh, mm. no one seems to like him that much. Um, a confident and a, a firing Lewis Graben can only be a good thing for us. Four and six now for him, isn't it? I think, I think he, he was saying in the week, like uh, it was just after one of his recent goals, I think he was saying that he like he used to score goals more frequently outside the box, but then obviously moves as like a, more of a poacher. I think that goal against Derby, where Bogle just very kindly gave him an assist, was the only other goal he scored from outside the Fox of Forest. Another pleasing aspect from the Birmingham game was the fullbacks. Obviously, Jed Spence took the plaudits because he scored, but also Max, though, on the other side, has been something of a revelation for Forest since he signed on loan for Sheffield United. Uh, Reese, both again make a big impact. How important do you think these two are to Forest's like, aspirations for the season? Obviously, I know you're a big Osei Tutu fan, but how do you think Spence has fared? I mean, Spence has been excellent, hasn't he? Um, I mean, even if Osu Tutu was fair, as much as I'm a fan of him, obviously has he's got injury problems, which is a shame. But I couldn't, he wouldn't knock Spence out of the team at the minute because he's he's fantastic. Yeah, he was my man of the match for definite on um, Saturday. I know he um, was probably man of the match. I think in the, I think he got man of the match in the Millwall game officially. Yeah. You know, I personally gave it to Figueiredo that day, but I couldn't argue with giving it him. He's been excellent. Deserve the goal. Brilliant run. Great finish as well for a right back. I think um, it well, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, Lowe as well has been brilliant. Um, he's kind of, you know, gone a bit second fiddle to Spence because, you know, Spence has got the two man of the matches and obviously scored the goal on Saturday. Um, I know loaded score against Millwall, albeit a fluke, but he's been brilliant as well. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of Derby fans didn't really seem to rate low, but he's, he's been, they've both been really good and hopefully they can maintain the form. I, I do wonder if that's a bit of like, just sort of one-upsmanship from Derby because they said, obviously, they're, no, they're never going to be happy about if we sign one of their better players or projects. Um, mm. I think I saw the last stat I saw was he's averaging 3.3 tackles a game, which is the highest in championship for any defender, which is very impressive as he's getting stuff in. I think even the goal, um, the first goal against Barnsley came from Lowe's tackle, didn't it? And he sort of sprung from the middle there. So great to see them doing so well. Another thing that was very pleasing um, to me personally was that 
Forests have gained four points from losing positions. You know, they they got a, um, they fought back to get a point against Millwall, and they obviously fought back to win against Barnsley. And like, the Barnsley game especially, I think, was it was brilliant because you could see that Forest were going to get something out of that game. You could see that you know the way we were playing that you know apart from a Figueredo mistake in the first twenty minutes. Like we were, the goal came against the run of play. Fair enough. We first half we might not have done enough to score, but we could do a better side. In the second half, we just absolutely cut them to pieces. And like, for me, and you know, I generally felt at no point during that game that we were an inferior side to them. And this is a side that finished twenty six points ahead of us last season. Side that finished in the playoffs last year. Side that finished eight points clear of seventh. Okay, fair enough. They. Lost a few players. Mal when obviously they lost the manager Ismail to um, West Brom. But for you, Lee, how impressive was that performance against Barnsley, and especially the second half as well? Yeah, I think um, in the first half, I thought uh, Chris Hewton was wearing a very convincing Steve Cooper outfit. To be honest, um, I, it, it was genuinely the sort of performance that I thought it was very similar to the Blackburn performance at home. Um, we couldn't string two passes together. But like you say, it, it was, they weren't that much better than us. It was, we were losing a nil-nil again. And that was something we became really accustomed to under Chris Hewton. Um, the nil-nil games, we typically conceded a silly goal um, and, and dropped points. But what I thought was telling was that we went, I mean, at Barnsley, there's no hiding place if you've played like that in the first half because you've got to literally walk past the, the visiting supporters. And I thought... Clearly, they walked past and they thought, yeah, we, we can't keep doing this. To Just look at the numbers on a cold Tuesday night, Wednesday night in South Yorkshire. You know, we owe them a performance. That, that second 45 is, for me, it's probably as good a 45 minutes as we've seen for probably years, to be fair. A long it, time. it really was like yeah. convincing. I just thought it was, we played different. We, we tried to mix it up a bit. We, we just kept having a go, even when Zinkenagel missed that chance and you thought, oh, for God's sake, it's going to be one of them nights here where we lose 1-0. Um, but no, we, we kind of st- stuck to a game plan and it was it was really refreshing to see us do that rather than miss one chance and then think, oh, you know, heads are on the you know the tip of your toes. And, but no, I, I just thought it was really, really nice to see and, well, we followed it up with uh, a, a performance on Saturday that kind of showcased that it, it shouldn't be a fluke, to be honest. No, definitely. What gets me, and Adam, I'm sure you have some views on this as well, because you, you, we have touched on this in the past. We've these are the same players. They, they, they haven't changed. They haven't like not. They're not anything different to what they were at the start of the season. They're the exact same players as what we had. What is Cooper doing so differently that Houston maybe wasn't? I think it's literally the simple things, uh, getting us up 10, 15 yards up further up the pitch. Uh, allowing players to express themselves and get forward. I mean, Cooper bravely went with a uh, false nine kind of formation against Barnsley with Brendan Johnson starting through the middle. But just being more positive, isn't it, uh, Christian? We, we, we're getting forward, we're getting players forward, we're getting unleashing our quicker players like Zinkenagel, Johnson, uh, obviously Martin got in, involved in the act uh, uh, the other night, getting an assist. Um so yeah, it's just it's just all good. I think we're just allowing freedom now, um, especially with that, like that that formation we're playing with the wing backs, Spence and Low get forward so well, mm. and it offers that protection almost of the the two 
further players for whether that's like Johnson, Zinconagel, Lolly, Martin, or whatever you want to see it, don't have to defend as much because we've got that cover of McKenna and Worrell sweeping up behind uh, Low and, and Spence. So it's just it's just all round good. I don't really know what to say. It's a bit weird rather than moaning. <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it? Like obviously we spent the first three pods before even even the fourth pod really it's sort of like tearing our hair out and saying look, look these players aren't bad players we've we know they're good players we even said several times as well as I know I've certainly said so that whoever comes in you know has got a gift really of these this this group of players I think what's interesting to me I think that, and you know the Barnsley game showed it Zinkenagel has been an absolute revelation these last few games and you know I think he's got six assists for the season now and we're only in what October he, he could easily, easily get double figures for assists. I don't. I can't even remember the last Forest player who got double figures for assists. So, I mean, the, the worry is obviously that Watford recall him and it remains to be seen whether um, Claudio Ranieri looks like he's going to take the hot seat of Vicarage Rhodes has his eye on him. But in terms of this new lease of life from the players, it seems. I mean, like everyone to a man is performing. Like, you know. We said one of the things we said in the last pod was that we wanted to see more consistency from Ryan Yates. Yates has been consistent so far in the Cooper in the three games he's played. We wanted, you know, Zinkenagel, Johnson, both consistently been good. Like this, and then you mentioned Scott McKenna. McKenna's basically turned into the Scottish Maldini the last few games, and I, yeah, it's just, you know, I guess it's testament to Cooper's coaching methods, but like, it's it's, it's baffling because. <laughs> it's not a form of rocket science, I suppose, but how far do you think he can take this group of players? Is it too early to start asking these questions, or is it? Um, I think it's you're always going to get a, a new manager bounce, um, but normally it's more like a solid sort of star. We've kind of just like come right out of the blocks of this. But mm. I know, I know, like the Millwall game was a was a struggle, and I think that is something Steve Cooper's definitely going to try and work on a, on our defending of like aerial threat because we've always struggled against those sort of teams. I don't think. It's a unknown fact for Forrest and and any other fa- uh, football fan in the in the championship that uh, we just don't defend well against big blokes, um, unfortunately. But I think it's just the case of getting getting the ball to our better players. Um, Johnson's like really come out of it. We're seeing now the Johnson that was uh, doing really well at Lincoln last season. He's yes getting down the wing. He's he's burning players. He's getting assists now. He's getting a he's got a couple of goals now as well uh, and his confidence is growing massively uh, and everyone else's and, and it's good um even like callback looks like he could be back to his to his old self which is which is nice because he is a good player at this yeah. level no I, I completely agree I, I've, I've always been I don't know what I've, maybe the year out of football tickets told him last year but it does seem that, that the callback on the pitch especially the one who played against Birmingham and Barnsley those little cameo, cameo against Barnsley um starting against Birmingham very much seems like the callback that we signed way back in 2018 with um, Kranker. No, I've always been a fan of callbacks. I, I, I agree. I don't think he was as... I think he was pretty ordinary, you know, towards the start when he was in the team last season, just because, like you say, he'd spent a full season without playing. I mean, I get that he's an experienced pro in that, but at, at our level, to miss a full year, it's always going to be tricky to, to kind of come back and hit the ground running. Obviously... It was too late for him because we signed Garner and, you know, Garner and Cafu and Yates. Well, Yates doesn't typically get dropped anyway. So um, he was always going to struggle to get back in. But yeah, I think um, what I thought was interesting was, and I think this will help Colback, is that we don't play with fullbacks now. We play with wingbacks. Uh, Colback 
used to get criticised because he was typically backwards and sideways. Um, I think we saw at Barnsley with his little clipped ball out to Mighton. Um, th- that's going to benefit Colback. I don't, I don't actually think Colback gets any joy out of playing sideways and backwards as much as people on Twitter might think he does. Um, <laughs> I actually think that Superlo. he would... You don't, you don't play in his position and get an England call-up. Um, I get that I'm going back a little bit, but still, you don't. You're not a sideways and backwards midfielder and getting an England call. It just doesn't happen. Hmm. Um, so yeah, he's not going to get to that level again. Of course, he's not. But can he get to the level where he's keeping James Garner on the bench? I think he probably can, to be fair, because James Garner's falling into the trap at the moment of being a bit like Gary Gardner, yeah. uh, in the sense that. Um, you know, he's come for a second spell and he's kind of struggling to kind of replicate the form. It's probably, a, he's a victim of his own success because we all kind of thought if we signed him again, he's going to be the saviour and he's going to revive our season. Well, now we've got crowds in the grounds and it's just a whole different complexion on football and he's perhaps not experienced, you know, that element in his career yet. So it's interesting. It's a conundrum for Cooper, but what I do think Cooper will do is he won't, there's no favourites with him. It seems like he's going to pick players who are playing well. And, you know, looking at Saturday, Colbeck did well. So I, th- I think the shirts probably is. Um, if, if it stays his till, you know, January, then Forrest have got a, a pretty big decision to make on James Garner, to be honest. Reese, obviously, Colbeck's the only one who's spit a split opinion for quite a while. And obviously, quite a passionate defence of him there from uh, Lee. What have you made of Colbeck's sort of resurgence over the last couple of games? I mean, the, the season we had him on loan, he was arguably player of the season. I, I think Lally got it that season, didn't he? Mm. Um, <laughs> I know O'Neill played, played him at left-back towards the end, but he was, I think he would have probably become second that season. I kind of don't know why Forrest didn't sign him in that summer. That was a bit strange because it kind of left him a year to ride at Newcastle. And then we obviously had all the COVID bollocks, and um, we was when he was probably the type of player really what needed a good preseason because it was a short preseason. You know, we never really seen the best of him last season. Um, I tweeted this season when um, I went to crew away preseason how much better he looked, and Lolly the same as well, and it. Kind of tweeted how like a good preseason would um much it does players the world are good. And I know we we've been critical of um Ryan Yates as well on this podcast, but he's looked better as well. Every, everybody's looked better. The whole yeah. team's looked better. Just everyone just seems to have up the game. You touched on this Adam last time when you know you sort of commented on the the release if you like of um, social media. Of the footballers, um, Joe Lolly obviously expanded on his social media post recently, come out and said that look, you know, I think the most the damning indictment I think from Lolly was that no one wants. I don't like to see anyone get the sack, but it's very obvious that this football club needed a change, and which I mean that in itself is that's probably one of the most damning things I've ever heard a footballer say about someone posts like departure. So is it a case of just Cooper's managerial methods are that much maybe more modern or more suited to the players? Or I think one of the things I read about uh, what Steve Cooper said is management has completely changed in, in the last 10 to 20 years. And it's not just about a manager telling players what to do, but also 
players saying to the manager what they need. And I mm. think he's a big advocate of that. It can't be just led by one bloke and a couple of his mates sort of thing who's assisting and whatnot. It's it, it, in a business and, and a team, if you don't listen to your employees who might have good ideas as well, then you're not a very good leader almost. Yeah. So I guess he's doing that. He's obviously taking it on board what, what the players are saying. They look a lot happier. I mean, we've scored a lot of goals in the last even four games, even the game that Stephen Reid took, we scored twice away from home and it was, it's good to get another clean sheet and, and that's something good to build on because we have got good defence. Um, mm. But Hewton did not show very much of that earlier this season. Last season he did, this season not so much. Um, I think it's just going to be that's that's sort of thing we need to work on over the break is getting that balance of attacking and defending, obviously, but I'm, I'm all for the attacking. <laughs> <laughs> It, make, it does make me laugh because people, fans can slate the manager as much as they want, but as soon as kind of player does it, it's like, oh, shouldn't be doing that. Snake. Yeah. Um, I, 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 do, I do get that. People might say, oh, he's not professional, but it, I mean, I listened to Lolly's snippet on Radio Nottingham and it was, it was quite damning, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, I know... Chris Hewton's got a fan club of pundits and there's no denying he is a really nice guy but you know nice guys when you're bottom of the league are no good you know and there's a lot of people sticking up for him you know I know Jim, Jim White was kind of sticking up for him because he was his mate on top sport Simon Jordan was kind of saying more how it is I know Chris Sutton stuck up for him and Ian Holloway but you know these these people don't watch Forest. Exactly. The, 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 yeah, they're but surely they, if it was somebody who wasn't a mate and they was looking at the side of a bottom of the league struggling, they'd probably be like, "Well, surely the manager's got to be going." But because it's the mate, it's like, "Well, there's something wrong, fundamentally wrong." Um, I just you know, like like I've touched on, I know it is early days. I'm just hoping with Steve. Um, being a Dane Murphy appointment, it's kind of just brought you know everybody together again. You know everyone's pulling in the same direction, and I'm I'm just praying. You know the board let these two guys just do their jobs. Hopefully, those changes are implemented, like you said, and they stay that way. And like you said, yeah. let football people do their football jobs. Yeah, Simple definitely. Enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, going uh, back to the Mill game uh, is. You know, I thought aerial bombardment, as you said, you know, but I thought one person who could come out of it fairly well was Tobias Figueredo. I felt he did very well with Matt Smith. However, obviously, this was then followed up three days later by him recklessly launching that Barnsley player to the floor and giving away a penalty completely against the run of play. Generally, I think I can speak for all of us here when I say that long term, we're quite a big advocate of Loic and Beso. Obviously, he's out for the next five weeks, which is quite unfortunate. But with Figueredo, I guess you have to accept that it's going to be a mistake there, but do you think he will consistently keep his place all season? Or do you think that we'll start to see uh, Rodrigo Ely or Meso um, eventually come into the fore? I personally am a big advocate of, of Mbeso. I just think his style suits suits how we want to play now. Um, and I would personally put Worrell in that centre and Mbeso down that right just because of his athleticism. Um, and his ability to also step out from the back. I'm not saying that Worrell can't do that. I just think he's a bit more of a commanding defender of like sweeping it up and, and heading it and kicking it sort of thing. Um, and I think like Mbeso allows that whole 
getting it through the lines almost. And I think Cooper will will know about that because it, he, he's that type of centre-half that I think um, you'd love to have at this level if you want to play that sort of football. So I think it only benefits. Um, Rodrigo Ely, I, I can't really say I know much about him. I just know he's a big bloke. So, I mean, <laughs> I think next time we play Matt Smith, I'd just put, play him at least, you know what I mean? Just to edit against, edit and, edit and kick it against him. But he's obviously got vast experience coming from teams like AC Milan. So yes. I, 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 I can't see it being too long, but while you're winning, I don't think you can really change too much. And although I do like Figueredo, he's, he is a big liability to make a mistake exactly, like he yeah. did against Barnsley, unfortunately. I think it would be strange to sign Ely and not... I'm not sure if that is the correct pronunciation, by the way. Um, let's say it is. We're going with it for now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think it'd be strange to sign a 27-year-old. It's not like he's over the hill and he's just coming in to provide competition. At 27, you'd think he'd have been, you know, using the football manager analogy. You, you, you're typically going to tell a player how he's going to feature. I can't see us signing a 27-year-old and saying, oh, you might be fifth or sixth choice. Um, so I think the signs do point to the fact that he's going to get a, you know, a run out. And I think Cooper has actually mentioned him already in his presses so he's clearly someone he's looking at as I've just said about Colwell there I don't think Figueroa has been too bad at all um he seems tailor-made to play in the middle of that um back three I actually I'm going to disagree a little bit with you Christian actually I thought he was actually pretty good against Barnsley except for the penalty um bizarrely we'd actually said oh he's, he started quite well again today and then literally two minutes later he, he bundled I think it was Woodrow over wasn't it uh, but yeah, I think he was pretty good still. Um, I mean, it didn't help his case that when he went off, we scored about 20 seconds after. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, he is capable. I think probably if you play in a two, then clearly it's going to be Warrell and McKenna. But with the games coming thick and fast, there is going to be some changes. I think after after this international break, I think there's another one in November. But then after that, he's kind of through to March. So mm. um yeah, I think you're probably going to... I don't think he's going to throw him straight in. He will keep the three, and I think while they're fit, they will play. Um, but with Mbe so injured, then obviously Ely's going to be at first drop. So if one of them does pick up a suspension or an injury, then then he'll be straight in. And he does seem like a decent player. He's got decent pedigree. Yeah, looking forward to seeing him play. Definitely, yeah. Obviously, for now, it's Figueiredo shirt. But yeah, it'd be interesting, for sure. Talking of Millwall game, I mean, I could see you from my seat, Reese, with the uh, the green... The green shirt, the first shirt from the nineties. <laughs> um, yeah. like you sort of look like a special occasion for a yeah. new, um, new manager. There's a bit, a bit of green there, but yeah, I mean, um, talking. About, I mean, I think like as um, one of the things that I sort of was very impressed with was the resilience. The fact that I think again that might have been one of the ones you filed under if that was under the last manager for us probably lose. But yeah, definitely. How did you think the way we sort of came back into that game? Um, I might be in the minority, but I, I do think it was a little bit um, lucky against Millwall um, because probably because of how we equalised, really. Um, would we have scored if we didn't get that equaliser? I don't know. Tough to say, it, it, yeah, it, it, was, it was a typical Millwall performance. I know Adam said they kind of tried to play against playing a bit more. I don't know if that's against other sides, but against us, it was typical Millwall, uh, chuck it into the box, Matt Smith again, you know, Warren couldn't handle him again. 
Um, he was very unlucky hit the bar, didn't he as well? Yeah. Um, yeah shot that, but, he, yeah. he put he put he put Samba under pressure as well that game. He, he never really Samba never really wanted to come off his line because he, he just he just seems to turn into Lewandowski and Forrest. <laughs> um, it's quite frustrating when I looked. He hadn't scored in the league since February before Classic. scoring past us. So it kind of was one of them. It was like it, as if it was always going to happen. Um, second half, you know, obviously we got level. They then had a little bit of a spell. I think that's when they hit the bar, didn't they? Yeah. Um, it was just probably at the end. We might have could even nicked it at the end. It's just the final ball was lacking a little bit. Um, and Taylor was kind of going to the back post rather than coming across his man. You know, you see, you know, on Saturday against Birmingham, we played a ball in and Taylor come across his man. Now, if he'd have done that against Millwall, he probably would have scored. Mm. He was he was quite unlucky. We did a really good corner, didn't we, as well, against Millwall, where he was actually quite unlucky. They, they yes. guy blocked well, it, well, and that looked yeah. like it was going into the bottom corner. So... Yeah, maybe a little bit harsh saying it was a bit lucky, but like I say, that's probably more down to how we got level. But that has given us a springboard um, to go on, obviously, the last two games and been chalk and cheese from Chris Hutton's reign. I think it was good, good fight to come back into it. And yeah, I suppose a draw is probably a fair result for that. Um, it was funny to think Cooper, the first thing he did at full time, I noticed was charged straight to the referee and demands why that ball wasn't um, blown with it. But when it, obviously our wayward shot hits the ref and they break five against two. Oh, and it that, was an unbelievable oh, decision. That though. was, the ref was... Hideous. <laughs> kind of, obviously, because it was um, a week or so ago, forgotten, but the ref was dire that absolutely, game. Absolutely, absolutely. The, 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 where, I, th- I think Lee said we had a shot, didn't we? And it's hit the ref, and they literally broke from that. Yeah, and it literally put them on the counter attack. Why? Why didn't blow up there? I had no idea. That's not even you know. Does it? Does he not know the rules or something? Because I'm sure now if it hits the ref in any kind of stop the ball, form, the game. You know, Lee yeah. will probably be able to say about the game stop. But they literally broke on the counter attack. It was if like, <laughs> oh, I'll give you an advantage. That was. It- yeah, full average to save that as well. It was really bad. Yeah, he was he was poor, and again, it was something I put on Twitter where Millwall and Cardiff did the same the other week. Seemed to every time they made a physical challenge, the ref would allow it because of this kind of stereotypical sides like your Millwalls, your Cardiffs, yeah. your Middlesbroughs, the physical. They kind of get away with it. Now, as soon as we did it, I remember, I remember one in that game, Taylor shrugged off his man, and we all know how easy Taylor goes down. He gave it our way. He gave it their way, sorry. So it's like you give them a bit back and the ref's like, oh, no, you can't do that, but they can do it all game. No, yeah, it's, it's a fair assessment, that, definitely. There was something that I caught our attention on Twitter, actually, fairly recently. It was um, a post from, it was one of the Nottingham Forest uh, accounts, and they basically said, Lewis Graben is the best signing Forest has made in the last 10 years. And you know, I thought obviously we put it out to you as well. We said, like, pretty good shout. I mean, who would you say from summer 2011 to summer 21? So, 10 year periods. I mean, uh, we'll go through your responses first, actually. So, we've got a lot, a lot of love for Mikel Antonio, Nathan Ellis. Antonio deserves a shout on this. Spoke player, we're never going to keep him in the championship. You know, what else we got? We got uh, Jason, no brainer to Antonio, smashing it in a prem, just didn't have him for much longer. Jake Doyle said, Antonio, Brit. 
Stoutsy says, Antonio all day long, five times better, cheaper too. Graven's been a good one, but Antonio was just a beast with lots more in his locker. The closest we've come to replacing Collymore, which is quite a big compliment. Uh, Ravon said, Doris the Freeze for me. I don't think he's been replaced. I'm not sure about that, Osama, but I think that's you know, he was a very good goalkeeper. And then obviously we had a lot for Graven as well. You know, he said 100%. So yeah, too good for signing, 100%. Without doubt, no debate, Lewis Graven. So Adam, who would you say is your... I mean, firstly, would you agree that he is Graben or do you think it's someone else? Really hard to say. I think in terms of like return of of goals, for mm. sure, for sure, he's done. He's he's been brilliant, really. Like, and, it, and it's funny because he still gets a, a lot of hate because of the chances he's missed. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's prolific when he when he when he's in form, and he's in form right now. I mean, he's scored I think four in his last six games, which is pretty pretty decent for for this level of football. And I think the way we go in, he will only get more and more opportunities to score goals. Um, for me, it's it's Antonio. That one season I watched him, uh, um, it was my first season getting a season ticket. I scored, sorry, scored some unbelievable goals. Um, I just think we got completely robbed of the transfer fee for West Ham. Yes. I mean, they bought him for what seven million. That's seven like million, a, yeah. that, that's a that's a snippet really of for mm. a transfer fee. And he's and I'm, I'm glad he's done really well. I mean, he was playing right back, I think, at one point for West Ham when he first went there. Now he's now he's a number nine. I think it's quality. Um, and I don't know if this will be a, a bit of a grey area, but could you say cash as well? Because oh, yeah. he wasn't you, technically our product. We got him this. from like one of these Nike Academy kind of things, didn't we? Yeah, so I guess on a technicality, because while he is very much a Forest Academy graduate, we did technically nab him from another academy. Uh, so potentially, yeah, I do, I do think cash is a good call. Um, in terms of like buying from another club, I think maybe he wouldn't obviously just be into that. But you're technically as a signing. I think Andy Reid's another shout as well for me. And the shout from the when we got him after we was it 2011-12 season with that doomed year of McLaren. Andy Reid was outstanding for me that year, and I was a Forest for a few years afterwards. But I do think in terms of like output, I think Graben will probably finish by well, time his contract's up, whether we extend it or not, he will probably finish as Forest top scorer since 2000s, which is mm. remarkable. Like if you, like, there's nothing more you can ask for a player when you get. Six million pounds is a lot of money for a championship club, so it's been he's paid it back every single penny. Lewis Graben, brilliant, brilliant player. Lee, who do you think is our best son in the last ten years? Good question. I thought about this for some time actually. I was going to try and come up with one that you'd not picked, and I think I have to be honest. Um, I think I'm going to go for a somber longer, right. um, just because. It's really bizarre because I actually think Lewis Graben is a better striker than Asombalonga. Um, I think he brings more to the team. But the thing I liked about Asombalonga was when he signed, it was so long since we'd had a Collymore edge of the seat kind of striker. And, and he was that, I thought, just because he was he was uncompromising in stature. Um, he kind of came al- alive in and around the box. And and fans just loved him, and he had a real like a, for want of a better expression, like a, what you'd get if you ordered Collymore off of Wish. Um, <laughs> just it was just one of them. Just where the fans were so unanimously behind him, it was it was just really exciting. And I don't think he was in that kind of in that year. He wasn't a lot of money. Um, it was a decent fee, but I think. You know, he'd scored goals for fun in League One. It's the sort of signing that fans this summer were saying we should, you know, be spending the money on. Obviously, the money wasn't there this summer, but mm. yeah, I just thought the whole 
I just loved everything about the signing. I thought, we, yeah, we've dipped into League One, we've taken a gem, and he just took to the championship like a duck to water. Um, it's really bizarre that he's now in Turkey, partnering Mario yeah. Balotelli. To be honest, what a partnership that is! Yeah, with, with Aro yeah. Muric between the posts as well. <laughs> what what a mental team that is! Um, nice. But yeah, I just what, what what in a weird way, what I also like about it is he went to Middlesbrough and he wasn't as good. Yes, Their fans didn't really yeah. take to him. It made that fifty million that we got for him, yeah. which to be fair as well. I mean, I'm pretty sure it must be very close to our record. Like fee receives, if not the biggest record fee receives. Yeah. I don't know how but the ins and outs of the Burke deal, which is 13 or 15, but you know, we got for what value money we got from was phenomenal, really. Yeah, that was it. It's just like the, I don't take any satisfaction in someone leaving us and being absolutely class for another team. Um, he only scored that one goal against us, and there was no fans in there. Yeah. Um, I think that would have been a bit harder to take in front of the Trent then, but. Yeah, I just I just love the fact that it's the same with Lansbury. He's, I I love Lansbury and he's gone and never been, you know, the same player that we saw he could be. So yeah, I think taking into the whole package, like I say, it's strange because I do think Lewis Graben is a better all-round striker. Um, but just taking everything into consideration, I'd probably just go for a Samba longer. Pretty loved the goal against Derby as well. Just shame about his injuries. Yeah, that was another thing. He just he loved scoring against Derby. I forgot about that aspect. Yeah. yeah. Um I actually still think his equaliser in the Ben Osborne game, his celebration where he just points to his chest in front of the Derby fans, mm-hmm. that's the sort of that that's the stuff that you watch on a loop for the rest of your days for me. It's it's just class, just winding up the away fans and <laughs> well the home fans in that sense. But yeah, I just I just really liked him. Um especially when we first signed him under Pierce. I just think he was he was comfortably one of the, the best strikers in the championship. Yeah, definitely. A very good shout, to be fair. So, obviously, Reese, we've gone to you now. Best signing of the last decade. Who have you got? Um, I am going to agree with one of you, and that's Lee, on the fact that Britt was the player we brought in and got the most money back from. So, from financial so aspects. We, yeah. yeah, which people have banged on about. We all know what our Brentford did it. <laughs> they buy a player... X amount of money, they then sell him on for profit. Forrest got a, you know, a brilliant deal with Brit, 15 million. Brit, to be fair to him, was a great goal scorer for us, no doubt about it. But after he'd had that knee injury, to get 15 million from Borough, and he never really, you know, hit the hearts at Borough, did he? He was a bit, it's a mess. I think because at, at, at this level, to me, that is the way. I don't like Brentford, but that is the way to run a football club. You need to be looking at players, which we will be under this recruitment team, which are cheap, but have been brought in because this, obviously the stats are what they go by nowadays. And then you basically make your money on them and then you do it again and again and again. And I mean, look at Brentford now. They're absolutely they're flying in the Premier League. just beat West Ham yesterday. That's why I'm going to go for Brett on that um, and as well he was a very good goal scorer for us yeah. you know, Stuart Pearce to be fair to him did did make some really good signings as much as you know his tenure did end in disappointment no definitely and uh, yeah fair points so cheers for that guys much appreciated and uh, let us know what you think uh, well, on Twitter or wherever else um, it's now time we have a special guest to get you through the international break periods. And we're joined by Jamie Marriott from Copa90. So hi, Jamie. Uh, thanks for coming on. Much appreciated. How are you doing? You're good? 
I'm all good, lads. Thank you so much for having me on. Really, really appreciate it. No, all the welcome. I think obviously, so for those who are perhaps unaware, uh, Copa United did a video uh, about Nottingham Forest called Greatest Story, which includes some fans and some more like celebrity fans, if you like, that support the club. And it's like a 20 minute sort of thing that sort of panned around the sort of Forest Leeds game and showed the emotions of the fans. And obviously, it was a great, like, it's very, very, obviously, it's a must watch for any Forest fan, basically. And um, yeah, uh, so thank you so much for coming on. I guess the first question uh, I sort of have to ask you is, what sort of inspired you guys at, or you and the guys at Copa to sort of go, oh, you know what, this, let's do a video on Forest? Um, so we actually, the initial pick process was of this is series and we had a look about who were the best championship teams, who had the best history and then we all had to write out quite a few bits about each club and obviously Leeds are in it, Derby, Millwall, Forest. Bristol City to an extent so we all had to like pitch to the club and saying we want to do a 15-20 minute piece on your club and why you're a part of the championship and obviously Forest with their almost like we're a staple in the championship whenever you think about championship football Nottingham Forest come up mm-hmm. that was it so um, yeah fortunately Nottingham Forest it said yes we would like you to to do a piece on us and that's where it started Okay, cool. As someone as, as someone who's a Nottingham Forest fan as well, Jamie, it, it, how exciting is that for you personally? Like, like, how do you not kind of lose your shit over it, basically? <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm about to say Jamie, the Jamie Carrigan question that I can swear on a podcast, so that's all right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> initially, I'd only be working at Copper Night for, uh, oh gosh, about nine, ten months. And then prior to that, I'd Done, I'd done Portsmouth, Southampton derby days, which obviously Cobb and I is quite famous for. And I grew up in Pompey. So I know all the Pompey old heads. So got in contact with 657. But as soon as this, when Forrest were like, right, we want you on board, I thought, fucking hell, like this is massive. As a Forrest supporter, and anybody either listening to the podcast who's watched a film or ever been to a game, to be able to get behind the scenes or even get into like, all access nitty gritty bits you think this is a childhood dream like I, I get to go anywhere like walk on a pitch go I even went I even went into the Bridgeford lower in the away end I've never been in the away end but I was like I have to go there because I just need to feel what it would be like as an away fan um so yeah it was is extremely exciting to do that um but then you've got to put you've got to screw a professional head on and go right I need X, Y, and Z to be, you know, talking heads. I need to make sure that I get location sorted. So as much as it was extremely exciting, there's also a big amount of pressure on my shoulders because I know I'm a Nottingham Forest supporter and I want to talk, I want to tell the story of Forest to, you know, thousands upon thousands of people going, I want to tell it the right way. And if it's not told the right way, then people aren't going to like it. But then fortunately on the other hand people did like it and it's you know still grinding numbers i don't think even if you had a mystic uh, ball that you could have possibly predicted that that leeds game would be so perfect for what you got in terms of you know the last minute or, i said the last minute winner we really won them up the goal to see it the, the raw of emotion i think for me as that's one of my favorite ever forest games to go to that one because it 
apart, there was that massive sense of belief that you know this could be the year that Forest could actually do it. But that raw when we scored, you know, and, the, and you sort of epitomised it in the film, like just the sheer passion and outpouring of just like joy and happiness. Like you must have been like over the proverbial moon that you had something that dynamite. You just happened to be in the right place at the right time for it. Yeah, that's a, that's a very very good point. Like you can't really put a price on the game that we were at. Um, it was bittersweet for me as well. Like I was pitch side in front of A Block and Lower Bridgeford um, shooting. I was also shooting film photography as well as just shooting like B roll for the film. And I'm looking around and thinking, this is insane. Like the atmosphere was utterly unbelievable. I think it was earlier that season or the season before that I managed to do. No, is that the season before the, that season? I managed to be pitch side for West Brom. And I took a video of like Mullick and Ty and I was like, fuck me. This is what players actually feel, feel and hear when this is belted out. And I was like, fuck, how can no Forest player ever not get up for a game? Um, but yeah, it was the perfect, perfect game to go to. Also, the Tyler Walker goal, there was a bittersweet moment. I was filming in A block right against the, the end of the main stand. So when the free kick came in for Leeds and then we had a breakaway, I'm only looking down the lens of the camera. So I can't, because I'm thinking, fucking hell, if I don't get this shot, what's going to happen with the film? So I'm only looking down the, the viewfinder of the lens and thinking I'm following Tyler Walker going. And then he scores. And I'm, I don't know what the price of the camera is, but some obviously limbs go off, scenes go off. Someone punches the bottom of the lens. And I'm like, oh, fucking hell, like this is gonna this is gonna cost this is gonna cost me here. And then it was incredible to feel the atmosphere almost as a neutral because I was working, but to feel it as a forest supporter as well, where I can go anywhere I want. I would have loved to have lived it as a supporter in that time, which I had to an extent, but then there was always that in the back of my mind, I'm like, if I don't get this, is this not going to make the edit? Is this not going to be what I want it to be? Because again, it's an extremely, it's a passion, passion project at the end of the day, because I want Nottingham Forest supporters. If I had seen a Nottingham Forest supporter make this, I want to see thinking, fucking hell, this guy knows Nottingham Forest. I want him to put him or her to put everything in it and more. And I was on the train back to London and fuck me, I was buzzing. Absolutely. I was wired all the way home. And yeah, absolutely wired. There was a moment when Pete Banks and I, he was shooting from Trent End side for uh, Mainstand, ran up against, like ran up the touchline together. And it was like, we were both substitutes celebrating a goal, hugging each other on the touchline. I was like, this is a moment I'll never forget. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, well, I mean, I think I speak widely for the Forest fans as, as an entity, but you know, the fans did indeed love it. However, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll read you the direct quote from the Athletic article. Uh, the fans loved it, Forest not so much. Indeed, the club was so aggrieved that it focused on Doughty rather than the current ownership. Director Johnny Owen fired off an email to Copa, which made it clear their relationship with the club was over. I mean, for you, that must have been... Well, aside from a massive kick in the balls, was it? Can you? Why? Like, you surely you think that for something that's such good publicity for the club, something that really like you know 
got people actively engaged with them again like you know as we spoke about before and i've always like having been like in media as well beforehand you know obviously fans think forest a big deal but only forest fans because in the wider scheme of things we're not premier league club so when you've given something of this nature you've shared it and it's gone massively successful why was there such an issue well as you as you said there like Nottingham Forest, at the end of the day, we are a championship football club. Whether I did it about Pete, like, sorry, Peterborough United or even West Brom, would it have this amount of like clout behind it? Probably not. Because, again, you know, the, his- the history, our history speaks for itself. Um, again, as you said, like, I think the club wanted a narrative. They wanted to make sure the recent history was spoken about, which I feel, and also everyone who was working behind it, felt was was touched on we talked about every manager every chairman which is a part of the history unfortunately people or like someone at the club was like right we want the current owner of the club to be mentioned and in my for me in my point of view that's not history that's still what that's still the present it's still going on whenever maranakis leaves or whenever he decides to sell up or whenever that will then be history I feel, and maybe I, like, I don't know whether to speak for all Nottingham Forest supporters, I feel that I can't judge his tenure as owning the club right now at this time fairly. When it's done, we can all, we can all as Nottingham Forest supporters, reflect on it and go, hey, you know what, he did all right, he might have not done too well, we could have done better here, etc. However, people at the club were like, right, why haven't you not mentioned... Um, Maranakis and you know I got a phone call the day after the film was released and as you said I think it, it gained a lot of traction within like the first 24 hours it went absolutely mental and obviously being a Nottingham Forest supporter I could spread it out on the socials to x y and z and everyone was like wow this is this really hits me really hits me in the feels of like this is proper Nottingham Forest this is what it really, really means to be a Nottingham Forest supporter. And, yeah, I just think that, obviously, some people have a, have a narrative of what they wanted to push, but at the end of the day, we went with the story that we thought was going to be strongest for the viewership, not only for Nottingham Forest supporters, because at the end of the day, it's not just a film for Forest supporters, otherwise we wouldn't have, we might have, like, 100,000 views. Mm. But then you've got to think about how other people on a global audience would perceive Nottingham Forest. Um, and, you know, hopefully it was, it came across, came across quite nicely. And, you know, I'll be honest, I've watched it many, many a time again, because I think, fuck me, that's a good piece of work that I've done. Mm. But then it's also where I get other people who will just message me on a blue going, oh, I've just watched the Forest piece again. Like, certainly under the later, later parts of Hewton, when I think a lot of Forest fans we're like, I fucking hate football. We're boring. We're not doing. We're not doing anything. We're not being exciting. I need something to like. It's almost like that break glass moment. If you're upset or you're feeling down, you need that. Li- I always have it with the Ben Osborne Ben Osborne goal against Derby. If you ever feel down about Forest, it's like that break glass moment. You play the Ben Osborne goal and you think, fucking hell, the world's better a better player. <laughs> but with maybe with a lot of people they might need the long form piece and go right the build up with the to the Leeds game and obviously we all know how the Leeds game it 
game ended. Um, but yeah, I suppose it's some people have views which weren't communicated to the best of their abilities, and we put out what we needed to do. And we, you know, Copper Knight spent not a lot of money, but you know, we we got it perfectly graded. So color was in like color was unbelievable on it. Editors were working night and day on it because again, as I said. I am not the only person to work on this film. There are many, many people behind the scenes who work in their bollocks off to make sure that that piece was fit for purpose, to make sure that Nottingham Forest supporters and people across the world could watch it whenever they wanted and go, you know what, I can watch it on the big screen. And if you do watch it on the big screen, Decent. it makes it even better. If you had an all-access pass to Forest, and obviously you've got to take this as a Forest fan, would you ever want to make an Amazon type documentary for a season of us, or would it be too unbearable? <laughs> That's a very good question. Where is for a season long? Um, I mean, I think we'd be pretty good value, but I don't know whether we'd be hitting the heights of a lot of what's been thrown about. Obviously, the Tottenham one, the Arsenal one's in progress at the moment, and even Sunderland. I don't, you know. I go from a like producer point, like head point of Sunderland. It properly did my nut in where there's a lot of poor edits in it. Great storyline, great narrative because Sunderland properly made it with getting relegated back to back and and also um, failing in the playoffs. I I think it would probably expose a lot of Nottingham Forest to what people didn't want to see. I think. Working within the media now and working for the football industry, I remember being a supporter. Like I went, I had a season ticket with my dad for like eleven years. I grew up in Portsmouth, and I, my dad and I we went up to, uh, to Nottingham every other weekend uh, from Pompey. And I just thought, wow, how good would it be to be on that pitch, or how good would it be to know what happens? And then when you know what happens, it's not as good as what you think it's going to be, because there's a lot of people behind the scenes who don't have Forest at heart. As much as everyone who's in that red or white seat anywhere in a city ground, they bleed Forest. They absolutely want Nottingham Forest to do the best they possibly can, whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch. People off the pitch or behind the scenes, they don't want Nottingham Forest to do as well as you might think. So it could be great TV for the neutral, but for when Nottingham Forest fans to watch it, it would probably get people irate. Ultimately, it is our club and we love it till the day we die. But it doesn't mean that we don't have faults, whether it's on the pitch or it's either off the pitch. And we have a fair share of it. And if I were to, if I was to be given all access area to Nottingham Forest, I mean, Nottingham Forest might become a bit more of a job than it is like a hobby or a passion. So maybe I'll give that job to somebody else. <laughs> um, it's interesting that you touched on some of the things. Sorry to go back to this as well. Um, of all the things to uh, kick off about, if you like, focusing on the Doughty regime rather than the current one, that must have come across as quite... I mean, I don't know, for me personally, I mean, you know, Okay, there's no no one saying that Dalton was the perfect owner by any stretch of imagination, and obviously we all remember the protest towards the ends, and like it was only after he passed, sort of people in hindsight sort of realised actually just how much he did for the club, and mm -hmm. you know obviously decisions at the time 
not signing Nicky Shorey, for example, like can infuriate you, but obviously they do have good meanings behind them. It came across very classless, if you like, that the club would pick up on that as a form of something bad. I mean, how did that make you feel when you got that email? Yeah, so I suppose, like, again, like touching on what, what we said earlier, or what I said earlier, is that I feel that Maranakis's tenure is not done. Mm. Doughty's tenure, you know, has is in the past, and it's certainly the recent past. And as as you just touched on there, I think a lot of people didn't know how much shit Nottingham Forest were actually in um, when Doughty was in charge. Like we interviewed Helena as well, who's you know a lovely woman who does incredible stuff with the LGBT plus community as well like bringing inclusivity into the football club, which I think is something, you know, brilliant. And I think as for me as, and like all of us as well, like, you know, white, white males or white straight males as well, we don't have that pressure of going to a football, football stand or a football club or any ground and have that pressure of thinking, oh, are they going to chant about me at all? So, you know, props to Helena with that. I think she's doing absolutely amazingly with everybody who is connected with like the LGBT plus community. But, you know, I won't say anything that she said in like off record because I think, you know, no, privacy is privacy. Of course, but, yeah. She, she spoke about a lot of things that her, her dad went through with obviously her and her brother, Michael, and, you know, to make sure that Nottingham Forest remained a football club. And to hear some of the stuff as a supporter, and obviously I thought Doughty, you know, did the best that he could in the situation he was with. But then to hear what Helena had to say, I was like, fucking hell, this guy loves Nottingham Forest. Mm. And as much as people might might have criticised him, you know, sometimes you don't know how good you've got it until it's gone. And I think Doughty was, you know, exceptional within the time, or at the time the Nottingham Forest were. Um, and I think he should be, you know, he should be praised thereafter because you never know. We, I personally believe of what that I was told if we didn't have Doughty I don't think we'd have a football club we were that close we we were that close so yeah you know at the moment we you know I don't know how much money Marinac has to has to spend or how it has to chuck about but it's much more than Doughty ever had to like to splash like we even look about this selling you know, Bamford, Morgan, like those kind of ilka players now who obviously like who were and now still punching in a prem. You know, obviously our academy is what we've been built on by the likes of Gary Brazil, etc. And, you know, at the end of the day, football is a business as much as we want to hold on to those academy prospects. And I think we all want those academy prospects to prosper at our club and be Nottingham Forest through through. But ultimately, we have to sell. You know, if if a prem club's coming and calling and they're offering us bags of money, the millions, we have to sell. Yeah. So going like obviously going back to the original question, it's like it's a bit of a shame where people at the club have obviously thought that it was a threat, and I think that that comes into the bigger picture where this film may have been considered a threat to the current regime, which it was never meant to be. I say regime, current ownership was never ever meant to be it was like we're showcasing Nottingham Forest for what you know talking about a level head what they were at the time 
a championship football club who are achieving very, very good things, who have got an extremely good history. I think if you ask anybody who are who isn't a Nottingham Forest supporter, who aren't a Forest supporter, will say their ideal top 20 Prem teams, Nottingham Forest will be in it. Um, but we aren't we aren't there at the moment. Um, when we'll get back, hopefully it will be very, very soon. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. I guess as well, um, what I found uh, quite interesting is uh, you um, you told us that you managed to get to a few behind closed doors games, which puts you in a very, very uh, limited capacity of people who've got to do that. Um, were any of those Forest games, um, was that sort of like an olive branch off you by the club, for example, to sort of like make up for how things deteriorated after the release of the film? No, nothing like that. I, As I said, I'm, I was very, very lucky and privileged to go to a couple of behind closed doors games, one one of which was actually Birmingham away last season when Graham scored the 97th minute penalty. Um, uh, I know the one of the guys who works head of media there, and I said, can I come down and shoot a bit of film photography for Birmingham? And as well as I can put it on socials or, you know, I don't contact Forrest with anything that I do because I know that at this current moment in time, I know it's not going to, the relationship's not there. Mm. And again, it was just like, it was strange. Obviously, I think a lot, obviously a lot of people, I say, I suppose a lot of people listening to the podcast right now were watching either on iFollow or Sky Sports and you think, this isn't football. You're listening to a shell. You're listening to the echoes of footballing voices, which you're not hearing. And being pitch side, listening, and certainly at the Birmingham game as well, if you if you were to take a Sunday league game and you've got you know Brian and Dave communicating with the centre back, it's effect, effectively what it is like that, but these players are a lot better. It is the same level of communication of like where it's push up, you like you shift, you draw up, whatever. And I'm listening to them thinking, fucking hell, they're talking what I do on a Sunday league pitch, but they're like professional footballers at St Andrews at the moment. Um so, yeah, I was obviously very, very fortunate with that one. And then Sheffield Wednesday, the final game, or should I say the penultimate game of the season, which obviously took it to the last game with uh, Wednesday and Derby, I, again, knew someone who worked uh, for the Sheffield Star. Asked if he knew the head of media there, said, like, can I come down and shoot a few rolls of film for Wednesday? And they're like, yeah, no problem. And, again, that was a die, die game and the nil-nil. And I was, but to be fair, there's a shot that there is a um, a film shot that I have got of Rabin missing the penalty because the, the game before, I had taken a, taken a uh, still of the Rabin penalty being scored. So if, I'm, if you're behind a goal, I went to the keeper's left at Birmingham, he went right. Mm. And then for... Wednesday, I went right. He went to the keeper's left and Westwood. Uh, Westwood obviously saved it. So, yeah, I was a, very, very fortunate to go in, but it was weird. It was very, very strange listening into players communicate. I remember when, you know, Wednesday away, Christie and Kanoka had a fucking massive bust up. They almost, they almost had a punch up. I don't know where it was caught on Sky, but Worrell had to, like, intervene. And they were just going at each other. Absolutely going at each other. Oh, fucking hell. Like this is what this is what our club is right now. They're absolutely going at each other for a game that doesn't even matter right now. Um you could say at least the Lodies I mean, don't care about the club, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I suppose that they're, they're, they're no longer. I mean, Knockout was very, very hot and cold. I think a lot of Forest fans would say, like, I think the Derby game away 
where I think we should have probably we probably deserved it on merit to win. He was he was on form. Like he was a Kanoka of five years ago, whether it's like prime Brighton or just coming off Leicester, like the swagger he had and the confidence he had. But then I think he was a luxury player for us last season, but he lost a plot. Like Christie called him out and not tracking back, and he absolutely fucking lost the plot. But again, we don't hear that if we're in an away end, like let's say we're at Wednesday away, penultimate game of the season, probably would have taken about 5,000 or whatever. Never have heard that. So it's, it was very, very interesting. Well, I was going to ask as well, uh, Jamie, obviously now we're in the current season, we've, we've sacked Hewton, we've got Cooper. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the season now? Because it seems like we're, we're playing catch up for a second season in a row, but this seems a lot more positive now. Yeah, I think, like, I said when Lamushi got sacked last year, I had an interview with BBC Radio Nottingham, and they were like, right, we want you on. And I said that Hume was effectively just like a sidestep to Lamushi, but has a bit of championship experience. And I think that kind of told over the season. And, you know, you've got the likes of Brighton fans, Newcastle fans, and even Tottenham. I had Tottenham fans going, oh, we want Hume to succeed. And as much as I want any Forest managers to succeed, like, ultimately, the, the, the ultimate goal... We want to be in the Prem. And I just didn't think it ever, ever, you know, the you know, the fire never got ignited, you know, the, the match never got struck against it. I just think for Hewitt, and I think a lot of Forest supporters got very, very frustrated, certainly into the start of the season, where I think it was against Middlesbrough at home, where we were 2-0 down, and then we played, we replaced a right back with a right back. And I thought. We need to shift things. Like, if we're going to set up with a four-four-two-three-one, teams will know to come up, come up against Hewton four-two-three-one. No matter what minute of the game it is, we don't need to change our system. And I was, I, you know, I don't watch Forest as much as I should, maybe or as much as I'd like to. But I was just like, I'm bored. Like I'm bored of what like football is for enter- for as much as like it's for entertainment. You know we can you know I hold my hands up to anyone who's not in the forest season ticket holder it goes home and away because fair fucks because certainly of last it, end of last season, fucking hell you got more strength than I have. But I do see with Cooper at the moment, even for the goal for the highlights of yesterday, and I watched the Barnsley game on Sky. And I didn't, I didn't watch a Millwall game because I was, I was in Berlin for sh- I was shooting for work. But I just seeing that we were travelling with the ball forward and we were willing to make that risk to go forward, even playing in between the lines. And uh, we were stretching teams. Like, we would let teams come, similar to like a Lamushi's kind of style, we'd let teams come onto us and it would break and there'd be a lot of space in behind and in between the lines. And it just makes for entertaining viewing. I think... We all want the one nil dirty wins, hundred percent. But then everyone play pays their money. Like you've got people who are forking out five hundred quid, four hundred quid for a season ticket, home at home, and then you know if they go away, who knows how much they're paying? They don't want to be entertained. We all want to be entertained at the end of the day. And I feel for these first few games under Cooper, I feel like we are being entertained, and I feel that the love for Nottingham Forest has kind of been injected back into a lot of supporters because under Hewton, I, I think I speak for most, I just did not see where we were going apart from down. It seems more exciting at the moment under Cooper. 
I hope it does continue because I think, again, a lot more supporters are getting that bug back for Nottingham Forest of the club that they love instead of like Nottingham Forest, the club that they loathe, but they have to go and see because we're all Nottingham Forest supporters. We can't change our club. So I think my vision for the season, I think initially when we had Hutton in charge, I said, finish 20th, fine. Like we need to stay up under him. At the moment, if we can have um, we can have a mid table under Cooper, fair play. But I do think we might be a little bit better than that. Maybe I'm being slightly pessimistic and just trying to be thinking we've had a brilliant start and the passion is there. Obviously, he's giving it a bit of the Jurgen Klopp with the fist pumps and it's getting everyone, everyone, but it's getting everyone behind it. But then that's what we need. This is not. It's a bit of charisma a bit of character and you're thinking you know why well, actually fucking cares and he's like connecting with supporters i feel we've got a good i think we've got a good squad i don't think we've got depth in the squad but we've got a good starting 11 for sure but everyone cares for each other you can i think you can properly properly see that oh well, great stuff well thank you so much for coming on uh jb like top like really do appreciate it it's been great hearing some of the stories about the film and obviously good to have your input on it as well so massively appreciate it thank you so much no worries thank you so much for letting you chew your ears off and also anyone who does listen to it because it's probably could be a little bit could be a little bit lengthy if anyone's got a long commute then um you know if they've listened to the end of this right now then fair play <laughs> see what we can do all right and um, thank you so much again jamie much appreciated mate. the next game for forest obviously it's the international break now uh but forest uh, host blackpool when they return, which will be on the 16th, I believe. So, so, yeah, 16th of October. So Blackpool team in form, uh, picked up a few decent wins, obviously big for them a few weeks ago as well. Adam, what's your prediction for that game? I don't think it will be as easy as some people might think it might will be mm. with Blackpool. I think they've they've surprised a few this season. I, I, I caught their highlights yesterday. And who the, who the hell did they bloody play? I can't even remember. I know they won 2-1. <laughs> I just know that. Um, I will look it up for you right now. Uh, yeah, um, but I think they, I, I think they like one Blackburn. of these sports. They beat Blackburn. I mean, good, good side yeah. Blackburn. I mean, Brereton's going well for them, isn't he? But, um, Diaz, yeah. Um, I, I think Blackpool are one of these where they haven't got like any outstanding players that you'd go way where the first like the name on the team sheet like kind of jumps out at you, and you go mm. bloody hell, he's a good player. We've got to watch out for him. But I think as a collective. They're, they're a hard work inside under Neil Critchley. So I think it'll be a tough one, but being at home and hopefully Cooper's had that time to work with the team and obviously the momentum that we've, we've built, hopefully it doesn't hinder us. Um, I, mean, I think we'll, I think we could win that. Um, I'd say a tricky 2-1. But 2-1? Yeah, I think, I think, I just think that, I think we'll, I think we'll sneak it 2-1. I think it'll be a tougher game than we, than we think. Jordan Gabriel will score. <laughs> Lee, Blackpool home game what are you thinking yeah it's a it's a tricky one um, purely because it's so long since we've won a home league game with fans in the ground um, it's a Leeds I game, do think that, yeah. that is one that uh, Cooper would be desperate to tick off just getting the you know the home monkey off the back um, I tend to agree with Adam it will be a trickier game than some will give it credit uh, they've, they've had some really good results beat Blackburn beat, beat Fulham. Fulham as well yeah um, so yeah it'll be a tough game um, but we've scored six goals in the last two games, so I think they'll be worrying about playing us rather than vice versa. So I think we'll win, and I think we will win at 3 1. 3 1. I like it. I like the optimism. 
yeah, so finally, Reese, Blackpool, home. What do you reckon? <laughs> On paper, you look at it. If I was to put a fixture list in front of you at the start of the season, you'd be like, well, that's a home banker. Mm. Um, but <laughs> we know what the championship's like. There's some absolutely free results. We saw the Coventry beating Fulham 4-1. Fulham went one and obviously think, well, that's that's Fulham done on three points for them. And Coventry's thumped them 4-1. <laughs> um, it's you know, we go to Birmingham beat them 3-0. Birmingham went to Luton and we beat them 5-0. Luton beat Coventry 5-0. It, it's such a crazy division. It really is. Um, it is one I would expect to win um, because we are at home. <laughs> You know, we can't, I don't know what the um, ambition is now for the season. But, you know, to push up the table with respect to Blackpool, we should really be looking to beat them at home. I know they are mid-table. I was surprised when I looked at the table, they was that high up because it seemed to be quite close to us not long ago. But mm. just shows you what a few wins can do. Of you know, if we win quickly. another, yeah, if we, you know, beat Blackpool and, you know, couple of games after if we win a few in a row we won't be far off the playoffs so you know it's still early days but yes I would expect to beat Blackpool um, I was surprised like Jerry Ace um, has not been scoring many for him but I know he did score Saturday um, I was looking at him because he was someone who I would have seen us bring in in the summer and they've kind of been more relying on goals for Shane Lavery I've seen he scored Saturday as well so yeah um, yeah, I'm going to go home when um, I'm going to go 2 0 on two Saturday. Nil. Well, week on Saturday, should I say? Um, I think that would be, yeah. be perfect. I actually feel inclined to agree with you. I think it will be 2 0 Forest. I think that, like you said, this is a game that, regardless of what situation you're in, if you look like, to move up the table, you have to beat these teams at home. And yeah, hopefully, right. it will be the first. Home win since that night under the lights when we beat Leeds. Yeah. Is staggering. Mm. Well, we found it, it is, yeah. But, yeah. Or obviously the Bradford game, if you want to count that. But... Oh, yeah. First league game. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is crazy. And yeah, so that's it for uh, this edition of Red Cyber Trend. Thank you for listening to us. And yeah, we'll be with you very soon. Come on, you Reds. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.